0: Hello, everyone. This is Lisa McLennan, and we welcome you to Selwyn Avenue Presbyterians Faith Lab podcast, uh, where we have been uh, recently walking with Jesus, following Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, today uh, we will be reflecting a little bit on Mark chapter 11, where Jesus cleanses the temple. Uh, we have we have been on a exciting journey with Jesus these past few weeks. We have uh, been in in boats. We've been in storms. We've been in tombs. Uh, we have been back out. We've fed masses. Um, we've been challenged to take up our crosses. And, um, you know, Mark's gospel certainly does not leave us without challenges. And um, this week uh, is, is no different. We will continue to follow Mark and allow him to uh, stir up things in us to wrestle with. And uh, we're, we have now arrived in Jerusalem this week. And um, I'm going to ask Lori, if she would read the scripture for us, Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. Lori, could you read that for us?
1: Yeah. So Lisa, um, just like you said, so if you were to think of this as the last week of Jesus's life yesterday, uh, Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, palm leaves, shouting Hosanna, um, and then he went back out to Bethany to stay with some of his, his best friends, his, fo- his chosen family, and on day two, let's say it's Monday, he enters um, Jerusalem again. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, it is not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. Amen.
2: Thank you, Lori. Um, so yeah, when I, when I first started studying this text um, for this upcoming week, this is Ashley, by the way we've been walking with Jesus. And so now we're seeing him walk into Jerusalem and just noticing his actual physical movements, um, the way that he walks into the city and what occurs into the temple and then back outside of the city. Um, and what these, these moves kind of depict. So the first thing is, you know, when he's walking into the city, this, uh, this story is in a, uh, what some call a Markian sandwich. So there's the, the curse of the fig tree on either side of it. So when he's walking in, he sees this tree um, that's budding leaves, but there's no fruit, there's no figs on it. So externally, everything looks okay, but where's the fruit? What's going on internally? Um, that's maybe calling him us, us to question what's going on. Um, so as he's making his way in, he's already kind of setting the scene for what's going to happen in, in the temple. So, so next we see him head towards the temple and there's all this commerce going on and it's a busy time of year. It's Passover. So there's thousands of people in the city. Um, and it's looking more like a, like a marketplace. The temple looks more like a marketplace and a warehouse. Um, and so the first thing we notice is there's, um, type of of quid pro quo or or, you know ritualistically people believe that if they were to go before god to ask for a blessing or forgiveness um that there was something to sacrifice there was something to offer to god to be able to enter that space and so just wanted to to throw that out there
1: what they were offering Ashley you know were were the doves which imagining that most people couldn't afford them because the temple had jacked up the price
0: mm-hmm.
1: so they're they're getting hit twice they want access mm-hmm. to god that that blood sacrifice is a is a sacrifice but it's it's more, it's it's not their sacrifice um it shouldn't be you know it's more a gift That's and a true. meal that you know they're hoping to have with and for god you know and so that's being t- totally bastardized in a way yeah. uh both the people who are taking their money and selling them the doves and then the temple that that is advocating for the system itself right right
2: <clears throat> and mentioning you know the the system that that Jesus was going against margo did you
3: yeah i think i mean what we're seeing is injustice and so i think that this scripture has always fascinated me and it is fascinating and a favorite to a lot of people that I know. And so uh, we actually studied this text in confirmation recently. And I was shocked that a lot of our confirmands and a lot of our young people love this text. Like they love righteous anger. They love what's happening in this story. And I think that that alone, when you think about What these what was going on with these money changers? You know, were they changing people's currencies too high? Were they making the price of doves too much? Like this visible injustice for these people who just wanted to have a moment with God. And why, why do people feel so drawn to this scripture? Why does this moment of Jesus seeking justice and teaching about this moment, right? Mm -hmm. It says in this text that he's also teaching while he's flipped this table. Why, why do we think that this scripture resonates with with Christians so much?
0: Well, I, this is Lisa, and Margo, when I hear you say it that way, like, doesn't everybody love an underdog, right? And don't we all root for the, you know, the underdog? And so here comes Jesus, who we you know, have normally associate with love and healing and all this peaceful stuff. And he basically stands up to the bullies, right? Like, I mean, he basically says, I'll have none of this, you know, you're, you're taking the place where everybody has access to God and you've, you've turned it into a den of robbers, right? And so he's basically sticking up for the little guy, the people who may be denied the access. And, um, I don't know, I think we still love the story of an underdog and a hero coming in to handle the bully.
4: This is this is Nancy, echoing what you're saying, Lisa and, and Margo, I, I myself have always loved this Mark because Mark does show times when Jesus is frustrated um, with the disciples. And in one commentary, this particular text said he was disgusted by what was happening. And I think that um, when we think about, you know, Holy Week, I think it's it makes me feel good to, to hear um, Jesus get frustrated because here he is uh, knowing what's coming at the end of the week and um, knowing the sacrifices that have been made for all of us. And we still have folks that that just don't get it and you know don't understand him and don't understand god's message and so um i think we can identify with that
1: what if nancy it's, it's more than that too though i mean what if this is chernobyl and jesus it, is looking at a system or uh the temple that he loves um, that it keeps telling the world around it that this is just the way it is. It is the way it is, which is why I think eighth, eighth graders probably love this story, because it, that's not unacceptable. You know, um, I think of like Greta Thunberg in her movement with, you know, with an environmental justice, and she embodies whatever you feel about her movement and and what she says it, it, that's not the point of what I'm saying. She embodies a righteous indignation about the way it is and refuses to let um, politics or government or big business get get away with it, you know? And and this story reminds me of someone like her. Um, Jesus was having none of it. It was a total economic revolution. At, at all cost, and we know what the cost was, because this this really was the you know he the, he dropped a grenade in the middle of the temple basically, and the money flew, the doves flew, and other people who wouldn't have had access to either one of those things could pick all of that up. So um, it is personal, but it's also bigger than that.
0: Yeah, this is Lisa again, and Lori, I love. How you articulated that. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, Jesus is annoyed not just at the individuals selling the doves, right? Like the temple was letting this take place, right? And so it, it's kind of at two layers it's the individual people doing this, but it's also the institution, right? So I can't help but, you know, think, you know, how today, right? Or does the institution of the greater church, not just Selwyn Prez, but just how does the church of Jesus Christ, how do we um, allow injustice to take place? And how do we allow people to manipulate access to God and the good news of the gospel? And, and how does that impact um, how we navigate our lives as Christian?
1: Or even how do we ourselves uh, we to put ourselves in the hot seat, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm thinking about that right now. Well, and Lori, you had mentioned,
2: um, previously too, like, why, why aren't we more urgent? You know, before, before we jumped on here, why, why, as we, as the church, why aren't we more urgent? Why are we so content, um, to, to the things that go on around us? And like you mentioned, you know, um, Go. This this was the center for government, politics, and big business. The temple um, was in the middle of the city, and and what surrounded were gates. And at night, these gates would you know when when dusk fell, these gates would be locked to protect the elite and the wealthy. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, this whole Jesus coming into the temple and being angry was a was an economic um, revolution.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is Lisa again. I, you know, I I get into, I try not to get into arguments with um, my family, but sometimes we do over, uh, you know, no matter where you are, where you stand with a lot of your views, environment, politics, money, like it, as Christians, it like I just, my my, my little brain cannot Grasp why there is a single hungry person in our community, or why there is a single sick child that cannot access medical help, or that there is the a tent city in our community. Like as a person of faith, my mind cannot process and accept that. And like if we need some righteous indignation and anger, like we need to just gather up our bustles or big skirts and head on down there and handle it right like we need to overthrow some tents and um I you know I don't know how to fix it but it's one of my um it's just one of those things I can't reconcile in my mind and make peace with
3: and I one of our confirmands um kind of raised that point when we talked about this text and um and she said it just feels like we're all paying for overpriced birds right now to have our moment with God Um, and I thought that, I mean, yeah, it's prophetic, like, you know, it's, and I, I mean, obviously that's why I love working with young people. They hold the mirror up. Right. And it's this, this scripture, absolutely. As Lori said, forces us to sit in the hot seat, um, as people of faith and, um, think about, we so desperately want our moment with God. Um, and how often are we paying for overpriced doves, and watching what's happening in the temple, on the streets of the temple, (laughs) on the outskirts of the gates that surround the temple. Um, I think that's absolutely, and that's why these young people who hold these mirrors up love these scriptures because it's this permission as a young person (laughs) where authority doesn't matter, right? It's this, but it's this permission to like stand up and say, you're paying for overpriced birds. and that's not right. And, um, so I love that people love this scripture. I think more of us as more Christians should love this scripture and remember what, what Jesus is really showing us right now.
1: Margo, when you, you talk, I know we, uh, probably need to move on, but in this particular version of the story, the disciples are totally, still or silent or on the edges they're not mentioned at all in the entire text so they're with them we know that but you know all it says is when evening came he and the disciples went out of the city so like they're witnessing this whole thing go down and this is jesus on jesus's terms he's not teaching anybody he's not making a point like he's just going at it you know i just in terms of are witness to what is happening in this text, they must have been totally freaked out
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, and like you mentioned, being them being a witness to all of this, and ju- it just makes me think about,, um, you know, like John Lewis says, what kind of good trouble is it calling us to get into? Um, what kind of good trouble is God calling us towards? And how can we how can we be a better witness to Christ in the world? So I just encourage all of us during this week um, to to think about those different things.
3: Thanks, Ashley. I'd love to close us in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you so much for blessed opportunity to sit down with scripture, to read it into new ways, into our current circumstances, even when it makes us uncomfortable and puts us in the hot seat. God, we thank you so much for our communities and for the ways that we stay faithful and question deeply. Um, God, I ask that you be with our community during this Lenten season, as we journey to the cross together. I ask that you be with our young people Encourage them to continue to ask hard questions and force us to reflect. Um, We thank you for your son. We know the sacrifice. We know what's coming at Easter. But remind us to sit here and to not just let things happen, to not be complacent, um, but to really reflect on, on good trouble and righteous justice. We pray all these things in the name of your son who did flip tables. Amen.